Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam. What's up, guys? I'm on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. And we've got Rian. Hey, guys. You can find me on the Twitter as Brooklyn Wallace at Shot of Patron. And I'm Caleb. I'm on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we want to encourage you guys to go over and subscribe to us on YouTube. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, by the time this drops, you'll be able to see on our YouTube channel the Winter Soldier Supercut that Charles did, uh, showing Ooh. us the story of Bucky through all the films. It's awesome. Uh, those of you who've been on Patreon have seen that already, but it'll be open to the whole wide world on Friday, which is two days ago when this releases. And so definitely check that out and subscribe there so that you can see all of the new videos like that when they drop. Adam's working on an Iron Fist review that will drop when we're allowed to. And I think we've got some stuff for The Gifted and probably for Daredevil Season 3 and Runaways and all kinds of stuff going to be coming over the next few months. So definitely check us out on YouTube. Uh, also go over to, uh, AP Marvel, the other podcast in our Marvel News Desk family. This week's episode is about Matt Murdock, Daredevil, Catholicism, and I am the guest star. So if you want to hear my voice more, I'm not sure why you would, but that is where you can see it. Uh, we talk a lot about that. We also talk about the famous superhero known as Bible Man. Uh, it gets a little out of control. There's actually someone named Bible Man. They talk about Caleb's day job. Yeah. So if you've always wondered what Caleb does by day. Yeah, I always kind of keep it a secret, but my kids were on the podcast. Now I'm talking about my day job. I have no secret or mystique left anymore. I know. Pretty soon your identity is going to be stolen. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like my social security number, no. Hey, you can get it if you go to watch.marvelnewsdesk.com and click subscribe. We'll give you anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> anything you want. Uh, that's the new that's the new Patreon $100 subscriber will give you social security our identity uh, oh, I'm really pumped in real time we've just finished our awesome interview that's going to be the main conversation today you've got to scroll ahead as you listen to this podcast but let me tell you it's fun uh, so if we're just kind of excited and buzzy and nonsensical in the news it's because it's a real letdown after the fun that we had with the main conversation with Mr. Chris Brewster. So, Yeah, also related to the Winter Soldier. So it's like a Winter Soldier day. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about all kinds of good stuff. So just keep listening. The first bit of news we've got, uh, Melissa Rosenberg, the creator and showrunner on Jessica Jones, is going to leave that show after season three to take up a eight-figure deal with Warner Brothers Television. Um, she said a lot of nice things. Seems like she's real committed to Jessica Jones three, but then she'll be gone. Um, guys, what do you think? Are you sad to see Melissa Rosenberg leave uh, Jessica Jones? Melissa Rosenberg leaving Jessica Jones. So, I mean, there's all kinds of speculation that we could do. Like, are they done with Jessica Jones? Like, do they know that the third season is the last season? Um, or did Melissa Rosenberg just get a giant pile of money? I mean, an eight figure deal. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a lot. Assuming those figures are on the left side of the decimal point. Right. You could buy Marvel News Desk for eight figures. Melissa. <laughs> I mean, for that matter, you can make four or five episodes of Jessica Jones for eight figures. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I'm sad. I like, I think she provided some good continuity. Like it or not. I mean, 
Jessica Jones has some devout fans and they love what Melissa Rosenberg's been doing, so it's going to be a hard act to follow if they continue to make Jessica Jones. Um, I mean, and like Cheo has gone on to do some other things, so we don't know if he's going to be right back or not. Um, you know, uh, I, interesting, we could speculate negatively or we could just like not. The optimism in me says it's coming back. Who who reported this? Variety or Deadline? Whoever it was, they did say she will be credited as creator. And I think they might even give her a producer credit on any subsequent yeah. seasons. But the creator thing can't um, change. Like, Iron Fist still has created by right, Scott Buck right. before every episode in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. In perpetuity? However you say that word. Spoilers. Oh, spoilers. But, I mean, we talked about this, you know, offline a little bit. Yeah. Jessica Jones is really a character. They've pretty much, with exception to her marriage to to Luke Cage and their daughter, you know, they've pretty much exhausted any and all comic content that character has had. I mean, even even season two, you know, it was mostly all original content. So they might get a, a slightly different look and feel, you know, moving on to season four and such. Um... But I'm not sure that's necessarily a bad thing, you know. Chances are they're going to do, you know, introduce more original characters and, and more original events and, and things of that nature. So, I don't know. I, I just kind of had a mini uh, what moment when I read it and it says Miss uh, Rosenberg's leaving to WB. I'm like, no way she gave Jessica Jones up for like a Supergirl or The Flash or something like that. But it's something else. My takeaway on it was... um. I think it's natural for people who are in these industries to get tired of something, you know, like if you're a movie director, you make a movie for two or three years and then you get to move to something else. And if you're a creative person, I think doing the same job for years and years and years would get old after a while. I'm guessing she wants a new challenge. And so my kind of hot take here is if Marvel had made these shows a little faster, we could have gotten five seasons of Jessica Jones out of Melissa Rosenberg. But instead, you know, Jessica Jones was that show that had a two and a half year gap between season one and season two. And I don't know what Melissa was able to do or not do during that time, but I don't blame her if she was like, listen, I love this show, but you made me sit around and twiddle my thumbs for two and a half years before season two. You know, like... I've given my time to it. I've given you five or six years now. It's time for me to move on to something else. I agree. I mean, and I definitely think that's, I mean, we've seen a ton of turnover in the other shows. Cheo and Melissa Rosenberg are the only ones that they haven't, you know, gone through. I mean, Daredevil season three is on its third showrunner. Um, who I hear is awesome. But, mm-hmm. you know, the the slowness of this, like, and there is, like, some regrouping in the television world, you know, of how showrunners, like, traditionally in your 24-episode seasons, a showrunner would finish a season, take a nap, and immediately start the writer's room for the next season. I believe even um, Julie Pleck, that does, like, Vampire Diaries and the originals and a bunch of, like, the CW shows, um... I mean, like, she would start brainstorming the writer's room for the next season before they even finished filming a season. 
So there's a whole new redirection for the showrunners and the writers as far as how how to pay the bills month to month with these 12 episode seasons. And maybe you just don't get a lot of loyalty anymore, but um, maybe this is also like holding on to them. Is... I mean, surely all, all Netflix shows are Writers Guild shows, right? Yeah, but that just... Writers Guild for television just controls how much they get paid like when they're working so they they have like minimum payment requirements like they have to pay them a certain amount per week and i know that there's been some guild negotiations that was part of like the last strike risk was on how they would handle stuff like this um and i don't remember the exact details but then there were details so like their health insurance the guild, they get their health insurance through the guild. Um, so if you're writing on a show that's Writer's Guild, they pay a certain amount into the the health insurance fund, and you have to work a certain amount each year to get the health insurance year-round. And, um, and they were having issues with that, like having enough health insurance fund in the Writer's Guild because so many writers were working on shorter seasons, so they had longer breaks between seasons. So it has a lot of little unknown impacts yeah. and again a 10 fig 10 salary figure 10 figure salary uh anyways whatever those words are whatever they're supposed to be in if someone offered it to me i would probably take it so i can totally appreciate that i would too yeah i would leave my job for a 10 figure salary just putting it out there I'd even reveal to folks what I do for 10 figures. Uh, speaking of jobs and keeping them and losing them, uh, this was an unfortunate podcast recording timing thing. We recorded the podcast last week and like literally an hour and a half later, something stupid. Uh, Variety reported that James Gunn had a sit down meeting with Alan Horn. He tried to beg for his job and uh, basically Alan Horn told him not to let the door hit his butt on the way out. Uh, it seems like this has ended the James Gunn saga for sure. Disney is not going to, um, is not going to change their mind on this. Uh, Adam, are you sad to have finality here or is it kind of nice to feel like, okay, we're past this now. We don't have to worry about it. Nah, I am glad we got closure, right? That's, that's the saying, you know, we have closure. Let's move on. I, as we inch closer and closer to, um, the projected production start date, if that makes sense, or what was slated to be the projected start date. I'm not sure if you have it in the news, but there were a couple other things that might point towards a Dr. Strange date change thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to get, we've talked about this before. I think we're going to get some, someone who, who Disney's worked with before. Obviously the cast, at least Dave Batista is going to resent who's ever in the director's chair. You'll have half of the, the fans, you know, you have these James Gunn fans who, who's going to hate who, who's ever the director just because it's not James Gunn. Um, so I, I think Disney's going to go with someone who's a super, super safe pick, probably a too safe of pick. Um, you know, like, like they did with solo. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously I don't think it'll be a guy like Taika or, or anyone else has done a Marvel movie before. I mean, why not Ron Howard? You know, I mean, I personally didn't like Solo too much, but I won't 
blame that all on Howard. You know? I think along those lines, I just let me throw this in quickly. You know, we talked last week about who would take that job. I think Love Waffle actually was on that first. And we had an exchange like that on Twitter. Steve DeKnight was asked uh, if he would be willing to take over. He was one of the first guys to work on Daredevil. Is that right? He was the Daredevil season one showrunner. Right. So he's been sort of a hot commodity. People said, hey, would you would you be willing to do Guardians 3? And his response was, no, I would politely decline. There's no way in hell I could make uh, could come close to what James Gunn has accomplished. And I feel like that's going to be a lot of directors. Like a lot of people are going to be like, no, I'm not taking James's job. And I couldn't do a good job at it if I did. So I thought it was interesting that we saw on Twitter what we were assuming last week we would see on that kind of front. Right. But I mean, you have to think there's going to be some super huge A-list director out there that Disney would bring in. And he's not going to give a crap about hurting James Gunn's feelings, you know? Steven Spielberg. Um I was thinking that. Yeah. I was like, Spielberg is <laughs> Marvel. You heard it here for, I mean, that is actually why they delayed Indiana Jones, right? Oh, yeah. Because or, they knew they were going to fire James Gunn? Do you want to get the internet to lose their crap? George Lucas, the new director of Guardians ah. 3. <laughs> Our sources have told us sources that George say. Lucas. Our sources. Um. Yeah, please don't. Please don't quote it. us on that one. I'll let you know even what like our name was. Or, or quote us, but I'll reveal the sources are the voices in our head. So, I mean, I know journalists aren't supposed to reveal their sources. Way to go! We're never going to be real journalists, Adam. Oops. I just, I still agree. I mean, I'm, I know we had some feedback on this last week. They need to table Guardians Three. Editor's note: They did table Guardians Three hours after we recorded. They just need to For let sure. it sit on the back burner, come back to it when people are in a different mood. So along those lines, let me pick up that news. Adam alluded to it. We saw a couple of things this week. First of all, there was some rumors from someplace I don't remember that there's going to be some Marvel movie filming in Europe next August. And then there was rumors from, was it like the Daily Mirror or some UK newspaper that Doctor Strange was going to start filming in the spring, quote unquote, which brings us to our weekly edition of what months fit into what seasons. <laughs> uh, but yes. spring of next year. I uh, also said that Benedict Cumberbatch was going to make a buttload of money. Uh, but if it is spring, I'm just going to claim victory here. I'm going to say spring means March or April. And I think given that Guardians is going to start in January, February, that is that we're going to hear eventually that Doctor Strange 2 is taking that May 2020 slot. And no matter what Disney lies and tells you, that will be replacing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That is my firm belief. And I, I bet that movie that films in August is going to be Black Widow based on our timing. But And let the record reflect that you heard it here first. So if any of these big sites are, are writing their think pieces, I, I've seen some tweets now. Okay, let's just let's just be real on where you first heard the the theory. Okay, the only tweet I, I saw mean, was being very fair to us. So, right, I know. No fault to Cooper. I was not talking about. I was talking about the, the other internet. Joke. Just saying. I mean, source the little guys. That's right, man. I mean, we have families to feed. One of us has a family to feed. Listen, Deadline and THR. If you report on this, I better get my credit. 
Or I'm going to stomp and throw a hissy fit, like, anyway. Yes. <laughs> He's going to write a Twitter thread. I'll write at least two tweets on your behalf. Maybe. If I'm not busy that day. One last thing I wanted to pick up on the gun deal, because I feel like we have talked it to death. To me, the most damning sentence in the report from Variety was something along the lines of, Kevin Feige was not in attendance because he is out of town. That is huge to me, because if Kevin Feige cared about bringing James Gunn back, if he really thought that this was a miscarriage of justice and this should be undone, I think Kevin Feige can jump on a plane and get to L.A. to be part of this final last-ditch meeting. And the fact that James Gunn worked one out and brought in his team and did the full-court press to get his job back and Kevin Feige could not be bothered to attend the meeting tells me that Kevin Feige isn't worried about this. And I thought that was just really revealing as to where Feige really stands on this stuff. Well, right. After you hire George Lucas as the director, who's going to worry about being done? Spielberg. No, but yeah, that was a huge thing. I mean, if Feige can't make it back to talk about this, you know, I mean, he really could care less about it, you know? And to be fair, maybe it is he, maybe the thing is he cared, but he was so aware of how deep Alan Horn was against this that he knew it wasn't, there was no point in it. I mean, that's another way this could have gone. But anyway, there's just, there's nothing about this hopeful for the rehire James Gunn people. He either thought it was pointless or he didn't care. Either way, it's not good for James Gunn. So, right. And you, you guys realize the rehire James Gunn thing is going to go on forever, right? I mean, people are still begging for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. People are still begging for the renewal of Agent Carter, which has been off the air. People are still begging for the renewal of Shadowhunters. <laughs> <laughs> I promise we don't write these ahead of time. Adam just finds places to put them in. We haven't made a uh, ward reference in a while, so let's keep the uh, let's keep the wheels turning on that. Well, I, we I, can... I thought Iron Fist would give us a chance when when it's time to talk about Iron Fist that we could award you with some word. Ooh! But now you've ruined it. So what else? I was saving what? that. It was going to be a special <laughs> little thing. All right. The only other news I think I could find um, there. It was revealed this week that Tim Miller wanted to put the uh, Fant four stick fantastic four into Deadpool two. Uh, are you sad that we did not get to see that version of the fantastic four? How do you think it would have fit in the movie? What was your thoughts on seeing that concept art? I was, I was super excited for it. Um, that would have been a huge twist. I think that would have been really, really cool though. Um, to Fox to do something like that, you know, kind of as their last big hurrah of sorts. I hope I can. Dark Phoenix is going to be their last big hurrah. That's the thing. You don't always um, know when it's your last big hurrah. So I, that would have been, it would have been super cool. Um, now I'm not sure if that would have mean Ben Grimm was the one to stick the electrical cord up juggernauts, <laughs> juggernauts, <laughs> juggernauts, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it all entails. I think it would have been super cool though. I, even as poorly as, uh, 
that movie, Fantastic Four, was you know received. I, I think the Fantastic Four appearance in Deadpool, two, Deadpool two would have been probably, well, I mean, it would have been better received. I think at least we have no live viewers, and I feel that those of you that only listen to us and don't watch us are missing out on Caleb's little just like laughing fit he had I, there I did. about juggernauts. I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am totally uh used to talking to no one but myself. Like I I didn't realize Caleb, I mean like just one little pun. Which is funny cuz that's Maybe the reason I hate Deadpool, <laughs> right? It's all the stupid little like 7th grade jokes. I know. Juggernauts got me. Uh. We've warmed you up tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was what I like. That's the best version of the thing I've ever seen. I always feel like they get like his forehead brow kind of wrong. And so it would have been nice for them to fix it. But it's I mean, I'm happy for those characters to lay fallow for a little bit so that we can relaunch them in a couple years. The MCU really awesome. So I would love I want to see the thing and Hulk on screen together. I think that would be so cool. All right. Um, I think that does it for the news. We're going to go ahead to, uh, we uh, talk about, uh, at this point, trailers, if there's trailers. Um, We have the unusual situation here where a trailer for Iron Fist dropped, again, mere hours after we recorded last week. Some of us have seen screeners for that show, and so we don't feel like we can talk about it without running the risk of being spoilery or violating contractual agreements, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, Rhiannon has not seen the show, and she has seen the trailer. Wait, wait! I have not seen the trailer. <laughs> okay, so, oh, we're gonna do it live. Oh, <laughs> That's boy. what I was here thinking. I have go. it pulled up here. What I thought is I could just, like, watch the trailer right now. Like, it's two minutes, 17 seconds. Um, I could give you guys my raw reaction. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah? Alright. So, I am hitting play. Wait. No, sorry guys. I hit the season one trailer. I was like, "Ooh, they did the same little whatcha whatcha." Let me fix this. <laughs> oh uh... man, why is he barefoot again? <laughs> I, know, I was like, "Damn, they're going back to right where they started." Oh wait. All right. So this okay. This one's darker. This is darker. Uh, oh, this they showed this at Comic Con. Um, Danny fighting Asians covered <laughs> right okay oh i'm punching the road like oh poor danny he's so sad he's just trying to keep the peace there's a war coming <laughs> wait did he say he never asked for the iron fist <laughs> yes he did say that wait is he at the same chinese restaurant as defenders that's a question i was i don't think so oh, okay Oh, that was Davos. I didn't hear what he said because I was talking over him. Oh, they're giving the little fight. The the Danny Davos bloody. Oh, 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 that was. Oh, there was a dead guy with the with the Iron Fist mask on. And that was. Oh, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Ah, um, there's a lot of Iron Fist in this and it doesn't appear to be Danny. Oh, yes. That's. We can edit out my non-reaction times here. <laughs> I'm actually, but they've like sucked me in at this point. I was wondering at this point, like, if you would be like, this, how, this is either dead air or that was only a 38-second trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you 
No, no, he's still punching things and kicking things. And he punched that the Oh, and he and Colleen are trying to have a little date night. Oh. Is there a tag afterwards? No. You think it's Eey. cute they're on date night, but I don't think the Misty Night fans feel that way. <laughs> oh. oh snap. Alright, well that was my live and roll now. Now they can uh, leave my mentions and hop over into Caleb's mentions now. Thank you. <laughs> they ain't listening to our show. I was about to say, they don't surprised. listen to our show. I get a weekly tweet from them, you know? <laughs> yeah, we know. No. Um, so, Rhiannon, what are your thoughts upon seeing this trailer? Um, I probably need to watch it again. But um, so there was a lot of the fight stuff that I saw at San Diego. So like the punching the armored car, the um, the Danny Davos fight. Um, I, I I like the little domestic Colleen and Danny, but you know, obviously, it's unnatural, and he should be with Misty. Um, and it's more just like him using chopsticks. More Chinese restaurants. I don't know. I mean, like, is that the Iron Fist aesthetic? Like, white boy using chopsticks? And, um, still, I liked one of my big fears seeing what we've seen so far was that it was very fight centric. And I think they showed us a little bit more than just fighting here. I still have no idea what the plot is. Did we see any Typhoid Mary? If I watched this like five times, would I see Mary? I don't recall. I don't. Because I vaguely thought I heard somebody say they saw Ward. Yeah, I think... I mean, I'm going to play through it here real quick to see. I believe that there are very... I mean, let me put it this way. It is somewhat obvious that apparently she wasn't very prominent if you have to ask if she's in it or not, right? <laughs> right. So. I mean, I was kind of distracted, but... Um, I just wanted to make a quick sidebar real quick, and I do think we should lobby Netflix... Uh, to change the synopsis of Iron Fist Season 2 with what Rhiannon said. I mean, the tagline should say, White Boy, what that uses chopsticks. I mean, that <laughs> pretty much does sum up the show. So the one thing that I did see there that, like, obviously got a reaction out of me is the uh, dead, the dead Iron Fist. Like, the dead mask guy laying there. So... You guys are being very no, quiet, yeah. so I don't want you to say anything that would get anybody in trouble. But no, I can't no. say that... anything besides, yeah. I mean, certainly what is obvious in the trailer is we're getting far more costume, even in the trailer, right, than we got ever in the show last time. Dude, I've got a black magic marker and a yellow hanky, and I am about to make my New York Comic Con cosplay. So there is a scene in the trailer uh, with Typhoid Mary and Danny fighting in a subway. Oh, okay, cool. But it's, I'll rewatch. It's like two seconds. It's really not a lot. So I'll rewatch again later. I I was traveling over the weekend and distracted. Your live reaction was a fine way to do this. So is this? <laughs> I mean, so do you feel like you saw much here that you did not see at? comic-con like does it feel like a rehash of that footage or is there a little bit of new stuff in this no i definitely did not see so much of davos with his fist at comic-con that was there was just one little glimpse of him lighting up his fist um but this trailer did not shy away from the fact that davos will have a fist that glows 
All right, so that's the Iron Fist trailer. Uh, we're excited for you guys to see that, and uh, you'll be hearing more about from us about it eventually. Um, also, I should say at this point in the podcast that we are trying to do the summer movie reading club thing. Join us on Facebook, uh, and also talk to us on Facebook. Uh, we've had some people join, and that's been fun, but it's been a little quiet. We've been trying to stir up the conversation a little bit, but we'd love to do that. Um, another idea we had this week, I'm just uh, thinking of other things to mention real quick. We've talked about, uh, we saw, I watched a video this week where a guy did like a retrospective on the original Spider-Man movies. And uh, so we're wondering if you guys think it would be fun for us to do a main conversation sometime where like we went back and watched like old X-Men or the original Blade trilogy or like old school Marvel stuff and then talked about it on the pod for a conversation. Uh, let us know. It's an idea that kind of came up and we've kind of flashed around a little bit, but uh, interested in what you would think about that. So, I would love to go back and watch the original X-Men movie. The ones I saw in college. There could be a lot to enjoy and to make fun of if we did that. So <laughs> I think it would be very uh, humorous and enjoyable. Oh, I mean, it was just like I saw it was some sort of funny or die type video where they had a girl and they recorded her like watching The Princess Bride. And they cut out the funny parts of her reactions and made a little video of it. I feel there might be some Marvel movies that I've never seen. Like some of those amazing Spider-Man-ish ones levels. That uh, maybe we should put a camera on me when I watch and see if there's any good reaction. Well, we have a special treat this week on the podcast. Um, we have with us a professional involved in the industry Rhiannon has uh, worked things out for us to have this special interview today. Rhiannon, I will not steal your thunder. Go ahead and tell us who we'll be speaking with today. So today we have Chris Brewster, who um, has many, many credits and fights. Um, I was looking at his IMDb profile today. You have 125 credits on IMDb, um, just under the stunts category. Um, Captain America in The Winter Soldier. Um, and obviously most people know you as Daredevil, as the stunt double for Daredevil, but you've also had roles on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Iron Man 3, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you were the fight coordinator on Ant-Man and the Wasp, and the stunt coordinator in various stuff, including some of the stuff in Daredevil. Um, so we had all kinds of questions, and thank you so much for being here with us on the podcast. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, so, I mean, I guess the first reason that we had reached out for you to be on our podcast was we had a discussion long ago about fight coordinators versus stunt coordinators. And around that time, you were fight coordinator on Ant-Man and the Wasp. So can you explain to us the difference between fight and stunt? Absolutely. Well, the fight coordinator is basically the person who designs the fighting style and the fighting choreography of a movie or TV show. Um, they, they take each character and they are able to channel that character's personality into movement. And then they're able to express the story of the script within each character's movement and within the, the movement of a fight scene. So 
the fight coordinator is pretty much the person who choreographs the movements, whereas the stunt coordinator, um, they are the the people responsible for the safety of not only the stunt team, but pretty much everybody on set. Um, fight choreography is only one element of stunt coordinating. Um, there's, you know, there's everything from just, you know, checking every prop weapon, uh, making sure that any vehicle in a scene is is rigged the proper way, making sure that you've got the right drivers doing this and that, making sure the road is safetyed off. Um, there are many, many, many more levels to stunt coordinating, um, but they do overlap quite a bit. So there's a lot of times that somebody will enter a show as a fight coordinator and, you know, end up working very closely with the actors and, you know, start to design the action and eventually build up to be the stunt coordinator. And a lot of times stunt coordinators... Um, you know, are up for the challenge. So they will stunt coordinate a project and be the fight coordinator as well because they are just very, very passionate about what they do and they just kind of want to do everything. And I'd imagine on Ant-Man and the Wasp, like there were some VX, VFX coordination as well. Like, because you would have fights where people would start off as full size and then become small or large mid-fight. So was there also VFX Oh yes, there, there was a lot of VFX in Ant-Man and the Wasp. What, what made that project really, really unique and, and fun to work on was the different departments worked very closely together. Um, normally on a TV show or film, the stunt team will get a script and then they make a previs, which is basically us filming the way we think that action scene should be shot. And it's our way of presenting to the director and producers and everybody involved um, our vision. And uh, normally we'll get notes and then just go right to filming and shoot it that way. Um, on Ant-Man and the Wasp, because there are so many elements with VFX and with the different departments, um, before we even had a shot to previs each action sequence, they would make an animated previs of kind of like you know this is where they enter and this kind of happens over here and it you know wouldn't really get into the punching and kicking of a fight but you'd really get to see kind of like the geography and you know the the special moments that they had intended in in each fight um so we would take that and we would incorporate that into our choreography and then our previs and we'd give them a video and then they would take that video and they would kind of add on to that. And then we would add on to that. And it, it just became um, a really, really good blend of a lot of departments working together. If I can jump on on that, um, I know the Russo brothers have talked about when they do one of these Marvel movies that they really want the action to be part of the plot, that every sort of action beat says something about the characters. Awesome. You mentioned a little bit with the movies um, how much detail are you getting? Like, is the screenplay telling you how long the fight will be or kind of, are there notes about character stuff or do you just get something that says cool fight scene here? Like how much does the screenplay play into how you guys put stuff together? That, that varies greatly jumping from show to show. Um, some shows will, I mean, be written so detailed that they, 
they literally have it beat by beat. You know, this person punches this person in the face, this person reacts by blocking and then throwing them over a table. Um, and then sometimes we get the exact opposite where it says stunt team takeover and you know, a fight ensues. Um, no matter how much detail is written within the fight scene, I always find that the real, um, the real details are actually pulled from elements of the story before or after the fight. Um, it's very, very important for uh, the, the fight choreographer um, to really research each character within the fight to know you know how they how they would react to each different scenario so um if within a script you find that one of the characters is very boisterous and arrogant um you can't really create them as like a defensive fighter if somebody doesn't want to be part of the fight then obviously you shouldn't choreograph them attacking you know and charging in with punches and kicks you should know okay well the three scenes leading up to this all they were doing was saying i don't want to fight i don't want to fight so that's the kind of person that you have you know, kind of fighting on their heels and trying to be more defensive and trying to, you know, elude the attack as opposed to meet it with aggression. Um, but I, I just feel that you can you can find a lot of detail throughout the entire story, not just within the action pieces of the script. And I know we've heard a lot about that, like on Daredevil, they're always talking about the the emotion and everything in the fights. I think uh, Charlie actually said it the best. I mean, I've I've been using terms that I've stolen from other stunt guys my entire career where, you know, like a, a punch is not just a punch. And, you know, like, yeah, I mean, actually, I think I think that was stolen from another stunt guy who actually stole it from Bruce Lee back in the day. But, uh, you know, I mean, people always say that the choreography shouldn't just be a dance. It shouldn't just be a routine. There should be story behind it. But the best line I've ever heard came directly from Charlie because he said every punch within a fight scene is like a line of dialogue and and i mean it's just it's completely right because like any any move within a fight scene can either make or break the entire scene you know if if you have if you had you know charlie come in and do a whole great fight and we choreographed him like turning to look at an attack you know it's like well no daredevil would not look at the attack because he cannot see <laughs> he doesn't look he, he knows that the attack is coming so he's just going to block without uh you know without actually turning his head and those are all elements that i mean without question every single fight scene charlie gives us at least like a dozen moments like that where we're like you know what yeah he he, he just knows this stuff better than anyone in the world so 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 before getting involved i think some of your earliest work in the mcu was uh thor the dark world maybe or iron man 3 were you i mean growing up did you were you a comic book creator were you into comics were you into you know once the x-men movies came out and and blade and things of that nature were were you a comic book movie watcher or fan uh, so ironically, I, I did like comic books, um, okay. as, as a kid, but I, I ironically read way more comics as an adult than I did as a child. <laughs> right. Um, normally, uh, in the beginning of my career, anytime I booked, you know, any part on a superhero film or TV show, I would get a graphic novel to just kind of wrap my head around the character. And, you know, again, just try to like do my research. You know, I want to know how 
Captain America moves, how Iron Man moves, how people would attack this character and that character. Um, so I began in the pursuit of research. And once I got to the Daredevil comic books, I got hooked. I, I started getting like goosebumps from, you know, certain, certain storylines. And I mean, it got to the point where in between seasons of Daredevil, I was buying every Daredevil comic book I could find. Nice. And I realized, I realized after about 30 of them that there's no way it was still research at that point in time. I'm like, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm obsessed with the character. Um, so yeah, now I'm a huge comic book reader. Um, as a kid, you know, I, I read some, but not nearly as much as I do now. Okay. So let me follow up with this. If you could do stunts for one character, either existing or has yet to make a live action debut that you haven't done. So not daredevil so on and so forth. Who would you choose? If you could choose one character. Moon Knight. Yes. That's a great answer. That's going to set the internet on fire. The internet always loves Moon Knight stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Again, I feel like the physical character to most superheroes is very surface layer. Um, Mm -hmm. What I thoroughly enjoy about Daredevil is the depth of his character and the depth of his character translates within his movement you know i mean he's not just your typical i'm a hero i do what's right so you know bad guy comes at me i hit him once and as soon as he's knocked out i'm done i'm gonna bring him to jail like daredevil definitely walks that line of you know going too far on a regular basis and that is a really interesting element and it makes it a lot of fun to choreograph because you know i mean sometimes you might hit somebody once and knock them out but other times you might hit them and once the guy's no longer a threat he might just keep going because he enjoys hurting the bad people and um moon knight is one of the very few characters who i think reaches the same depths of you know (laughs) psychosis within Okay. Yeah. Now, I was curious, uh, when it comes to styles of characters, Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of viewers, I think people sometimes are guilty of thinking that more is necessarily better. Um, When you guys are choreographing, I mean, is there ever a time where you want a character to almost be more efficient in a fight, but then you feel like you've got to make it kind of longer? I'm not sure if this is making any sense. But like, for example, Iron Fist strikes me as a guy who should be able to move very quickly and succinctly through a room. Exactly. But almost that's not sexy enough for people, if that makes sense. Well, yes. There's with with movies like Raid Redemption and uh, you know, just like the the best action shows out there right now, nobody wants to see a quick fight. People want to see Daredevil action. Um, but I don't think that makes it right for most superheroes. Um, it works perfectly for Daredevil because he doesn't have super strength. He doesn't, he doesn't have the ability to walk in a room of 50 people and, end the fight in three seconds, you know, he, he's human. Um, I feel, I feel like designing a fight scene for somebody with the power of Iron Fist or Hulk, 
or, you know, somebody with that massive amount of energy, um, I would, I would feel like I'd have to stay true to the character. And honestly, the fight scenes would be really boring. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, yeah. if, 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 if I were Iron Fist and I was surrounded by 50 people who wanted to kill me, the fist would light up immediately and I would hit the ground and they would all be gone, you know? Yeah. Um, and the challenge then becomes how do you make it, like, how do you find the happy medium? How do you, how do you make the truth of the story be that he's not going to light his fist right away, you know? And, and it, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to come up with a reason that you're not going to use your, your, number one weapon you know i mean that should be the first thing he uses when he's threatened um i i personally prefer choreographing um fight scenes for the less powered superheroes you know i mean i think i think there's just a lot there's a lot of enjoyment um and as a viewer you can only get excited about a fight scene if you feel that your hero is in jeopardy and a character like daredevil he's always in jeopardy <laughs> i mean any fight he could he could it could be his last you know i mean if he gets stabbed he bleeds if he gets shot he just got shot um the characters who are you know invincible to that to me there's just there's just not that that same that feeling of jeopardy where you're where you're really rooting for them you know you see you see Captain America or the Incredible Hulk walk into a room getting ready for a fight. You're like, okay, they're going to win. This is why I think what we're saying is this is why Superman is lame. This has always <laughs> yeah. been my argument with Adam. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Superman feel threatened. You know, you yeah. really have to up the exactly. And then once you up that ante, you have to kind of come up with a whole new storyline. Okay. So I have a very random question. I mean, you you did um, some stunt work for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're a huge Daredevil fan. So, mm -hmm. did you do you know the connection, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Daredevil connection? Yes, yes. <laughs> I just saw like that they were around the same time period, and I was like, dude, you've got a theme. We had talked about maybe. Um, Going through like a well-known fight scene, like either the Daredevil season one hallway fight or the Captain America elevator. Like, were you in the elevator fight for Captain America? And breaking down like which pieces might have been stunt coordinator or what might have been fight coordinator. Or if... okay, well, okay. or just tell us about. Or you can cool just tell us about. about... <laughs> <laughs> well, the the elevator scene is is a really great. Um example because the the fight coordinator so chris carnell was our fight coordinator um myself and james young got to be assistant fight coordinators on that show um so we all kind of got to previs the elevator fight that was the first thing we prevised for that whole movie um and tom harper the stunt coordinator he he supervised everything so basically tom went to all the meetings, he got the script. He came in and gave the fight team the script for just that specific fight. And he said, this is the first thing we're working on. Um, so then 
Tom, our stunt coordinator, had the elevator actually built out in our stunt room. He, he you know, had the, the sizes, the dimensions, all that. He had that built. Then he basically gave us all of the notes from the directors, from the producers, like what everybody wanted to see. Then Chris Cornell um, kind of started taking us through move by move, like, okay, well, you know, we're going to start in these positions. Um, and, you know, there's always a lot of input from the entire stunt team. Um, all of the, all of the ND, like the nondescript stunt people in the scene and all of the stunt doubles, you know, it, it's, it's easy to say, Hey, I feel like I would do this right here or, you know, Hey, I'm the closest one to him. So I would be the one to grab him. Um, so everyone kind of contributes. And while we're coming up with the ideas, it's the fight coordinator who kind of, uh, <laughs> just keeps, keeps everyone going on the same page. Um, they kind of take in all of the ideas and kind of, you know, approve or disapprove the different ideas and try to mesh all the ideas together. Um, so Chris Carnell really helped us design the fight itself. Well, once we had the fight itself choreographed, we knew all of Captain America's moves. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. Then Tom Harper came in and he goes, okay, well, that's great. Tom being the stunt coordinator was saying, okay, well, since Captain America is super, super strong, when he hits somebody, they can't just take a normal reaction. We have to put them on a wire and make their body do something a lot bigger than just a reaction that we could sell organically. So he then brought in the, the wire team, the riggers, and he would say, okay, this guy's getting hit here, so I want you to make his body flip backwards and stick into that corner of the elevator. And then this guy gets hit here, so I want you to yank him all the way through the window and do this and do that and do whatever. Um, and then, obviously, once as we went through every step of not just previs, but as we prepared to shoot it on the day, Tom Harper, the stunt coordinator, also made sure that we could do every one of those wrecks without really wrecking ourselves. Um, so, you know, if somebody was getting yanked through glass, he would make sure they put in the right kind of tempered glass. He would make sure that they knew when to, when to pop the buttons. So when they went through the window, they wouldn't actually get cut. And he would make sure that pads were put in the right spot. So as it went flying through a window, they'd land on pads instead of a cement floor. Um, so, you know, the, the, the fight coordinator really worked out the choreography and the stunt coordinator added all of the extra elements that really, you know, up the ante of the fight scene. And uh, yeah, and then and then basically the stunt coordinator was the one who took it all to the producers and uh, you know got everything approved and got notes from them. And uh, and we shot it. And while we're shooting, um, normally the fight coordinator is behind the monitors, making sure that all the punches sell and making sure that everything looks the way it's supposed to look. And the stunt coordinator is normally doing laps around the entire stage, making sure everybody is safe and everything's going according to plan. <laughs> and on that same note, I mean, like onto Captain America, because I've seen some stuff out there about how Chris Evans moves so differently that it was kind of hard for some people to cover for him. Did you like? Do anything special to move like Chris Evans? I mean, um, or was that really an issue? Is that just like a rumor on the internet? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 actually a very odd rumor because I found Chris Evans to be a very athletic actor. I mean, you know, um, again, obviously, no one 
compares with Charlie because I don't know any actors who can go in there and outflip and outlift the entire stunt team. Charlie can. Um, but um, I'm, I'm very accustomed to working with actors who have two left feet and who literally cannot remember three moves of choreography. Uh, Chris Evans was not that way at all. Um, he actually, he came in his first couple of weeks of training. Um, we were over at a gymnastics academy and he was actually flipping around on a trampoline and doing all kinds of stuff because he, he grew up playing on a trampoline. So he was, he was pretty agile. And um, I, I thought he did just fine with all the choreography. Um, and as, as a stunt double, one of your main jobs is to study and mimic the actor so you know whether whether they're a natural fighter or whether they hold themselves in weird ways you know our job is is to just just copy that and uh and you know find the best way because ultimately if you're if you're watching a fight scene and you know when the camera goes behind the main actor and they cut to the double if the double's standing differently it's not the actor's fault it's the double's fault so, <laughs> right so yeah i mean i i think I honestly didn't have any trouble whatsoever doubling Chris. I thought that I thought he did a great job. I mean, he again, Captain America and Daredevil are polar opposite characters um, in their mannerisms, in their posturing, in their you know, in their stances, and in everything. Um, Captain America is the the most matadoresque of the superheroes. Um, he is very proper. Um, so, you know, he, he always looks like a superhero. He will always have, have his chin up and his chest out and he stands like a superhero. And, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Evans he puts on a lot of muscle when he's, when he's turning into Captain America. So he stands like Captain America. He stands like, like a statue, you know? And, um, you know, I, I feel like it, it was pretty easy to copy and it was absolutely perfect for that character. Awesome. That is a very weird internet rumor then. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've I've seen I've seen I've seen some rumors that I'm like, okay, I could I could see that, I could believe that. And then I've seen some rumors where I'm like, I do not get that at all. But yeah. But the rumors. <laughs> all right, I have one more and then we'll let you go. Uh, and this is kind of a boring one, I guess, to ask at the end. Uh, fans talk a lot about Marvel TV and Marvel film and kind of how connected they are. Uh, you're somebody who's worked for both of them. Does it feel like working for different companies or are there some of the same folks around? Um, just is it different at the two places? Well, um, it it's definitely two different universes. Um, the production side of the Marvel movies and the Marvel TV show are, are completely different. Um, the, the big, big bosses um are different for the the movies and the tv shows uh but ironically the mentality and jumping back and forth from from a marvel movie to a marvel tv show um it it feels like you're on the same project even though it's a completely different group of people um you know obviously marvel features you know there's there's a lot more money per project uh, going into it so you know whereas whereas uh, a marvel tv show you may be working on a stage a marvel feature you may be 
working on like 15 different stages but uh <laughs> but other than that it's it's a very very similar thing and i feel like um you know it's always it's always high energy but good energy um and one thing i think that the the marvel producers do really really well is they're able to control and maintain that that positive energy and i think it really translates through all of the different shows you know when you're when you're watching when you're watching any marvel movie or any marvel tv show you you enjoy it and i feel like a big reason that you're enjoying it is because every person working on it enjoyed it just as much yeah yeah absolutely i feel like that the uh chemistry just like pops off the screen when it looks like people are having fun and Definitely on the stuff you work on, it looks like people are having lots of fun. So Absolutely. we really appreciate your, you doing it, and we appreciate you being with us today. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Anytime. Well, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. After good. we've all seen Daredevil, we'll have to have you back to talk about all of it. Oh, man. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're not the only one. We're, I, can't wait yeah. I can see season three. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you so much and have a great Stay safe. And, uh, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Have a great night. All right, time for our mailbag. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot to go over today. Love Waffle on the website uh, mentioned that there are lots of Disney XD cartoons. Uh, we talked about cartoons last week. Uh, they are not in the MCU, but they do often reflect the MCU versions of the characters. Um, also last week, Adam, you were asking about, uh, if they get stars to do the voices on these shows. Uh, I forgot to mention that the, um, forces of destiny show, they got like Daisy Ridley and Lupita Nyong'o and a couple of other big stars to do that one. And Oscar Isaacs is going to be on star Wars resistance. So, uh, apparently they can get them in, but uh, I think it's like a half hour of voiceover work and they give them hundred thousand dollars or something i don't know it's, it's ridiculous but it's good money for for quick work so i think that could be possible do you remember anything big on twitter this week adam from anybody oh twitter's always big man twitter stays big awesome what nah, did somebody but... say <laughs> <laughs> no i i can't remember anything truth be told it was big yeah, but we can't twitter remember real quick not I, I i always pull up twitter and i scroll through i'm like <laughs> and then i close it and then the cycle repeats itself um someone at by seven the seven c sent us a uh bucky barnes gif gif oh i just said gif my apologies i meant to say gif um so oh eight four said they rewatched Runaways in a binge recently and that it did better for them than week to week. And I can see that. I think Runaways might work as a binge. You only have to watch all 10 hours before they actually run away, though. I explained that to somebody at my family reunion last weekend. And I didn't even say it. They were the ones. They were like, so they didn't run away. Ooh, um, at Matt Turner Toe. Yeah, apparently I, 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 uh, yeah, I what's the Aquaman's? I don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag annoying USA, hashtag entourage, hashtag go Oz. Well, all I can say is uh, if you've been watching the rugby friend, uh, don't go Oz. They're getting kicked, their butts kicked by New Zealand. So 
You are a rugby fiend. I am, and a New Zealand rugby fiend, so I love rubbing it in that the Aussies have gone 15 straight years without winning the Bledisloe Cup, but I'm just going to get us more hate mail if I don't shut up. This doesn't mean anything to most of you listening, but all that said, Matt Turner Toad has been uh, sending us more fan stuff lately, so thank you. We appreciate you listening to the show. We're just if you uh, would like to send any further mail to Marvel News Desk, please tweet us at Marvel News Desk and use the hashtag Juggernauts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or if you would like to subtly send hate mail to Adam, just use the hashtag WardLives. <laughs> oh, I do follow that tag. How do you know I follow that tag? I follow most ward tags, truth be told. Also, Adam has done some really cool um, memes and like, I don't know how to describe. How do you describe them, Ab? They're like question memes? Um, They are graphics that beat the Drax being invisible joke to death. So go ahead and like and share and laugh at our jokes, please. But it raises the real question. Does the Drax, do the Drax jokes ever get old? Um, well, he's about to, if he keeps acting up on Twitter, he's about to uh, disappear for real, so. <laughs> That's and exactly we'll have... the joke I was about to yeah. make. And some of our fans have made, too. So props to those guys. Yo, I didn't see that. All right. Uh, we didn't have much for the mailbag. We tried to make it as, as mailbaggy as possible. Uh, I think that does it for the show this week. We would like to say thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, you can interact with us in a bunch of ways. You can send us messages at twi- on Twitter at Marvel News Desk, and that's always a big deal, according to Adam. You can also communicate us communicate at us. Wow. You can communicate with us via our MarvelNewsDesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, go over to Patreon.com slash MarvelNewsDesk and give us a buck. That'll give you access to our special MCU film ranking episode. Uh, also, there'll be a new one coming, I assume, December of this year. So uh, sign up for that. That's like our annual episode, uh, like the annual issues of comics. Is um, that the uh, episode brought to you, our viewers, by Zima? Potentially. I think the 100th episode may be brought to you by Zemo. We'll see. We'll have to check to make sure we're not violating any, like, SEC. What's that? The uh, we have to make TV sure that people? you can actually. We have to make sure that you can actually buy Zima. <laughs> That's true. true. We will check on that, and we will I'll also research who Brett Dalton's publicist is. So Ward can be oh our Oh, my gosh. If we can get yes. Ward on the show, it would oh, be the best thing ever. It would. Um, but yeah, isn't there rules about drinking alcohol, like on the radio live or something like, but we're not on the radio. We're, we're not a licensed thing. Oh, I think like there radio. are issues with drinking alcohol in, on television, but did you guys know that Disney has a policy that you can't show smoking in their films? I uh, saw that yeah. somewhere. This I saw week. that the other day, which is fine. Smoking's gross. It is very gross. <laughs> but we're not smoking Zemo, we're drinking Zemo. That's correct. <laughs> I'm just pulling a cigarette scholarship, guys. If you're... <laughs> Again, I don't think we can do that on this show. Can we? Can you sell cigarettes on a podcast, or is that in the, uh, the, the band? This episode is brought to you by Joe Camel. <laughs> Rest in peace. He died of lung cancer. Um... <laughs> If you follow, if you give us money on Patreon, you can see stuff early, like the uh, Winter Soldier thing. People have been enjoying that all week who are 
Patreon followers. So that is another perk there. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk or subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can also help the show be more visible if you want to give us a five-star review over on iTunes. The number one most important thing you do every week, however, is you listen to the show and you tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We want to thank Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. He is on a variety of social media platforms at the Skull School. Uh, thanks for listening this week, guys. We'll talk to you later.